People shall come from north and south, from east and west, to sit together at the table in the kingdom of heaven. Last fall, I attended a conference in North Carolina at Montreat called More Than Nuns, N-O-N-E-S, and it was about the unaffiliated, those who at this point on the census form check no religious affiliation. It was especially about reaching out to the millennial generation, many of whom stay far away from churches. Well, on the last day there was a speaker. Her name was Catherine Rhodes Henderson, and she gave her testimony at the beginning of her talk. She was born into a very devout Presbyterian family in Louisville, Kentucky. As a child and young person, she went to church more than she wanted to. And as a teenager, she went into total rebellion against what she saw as the hypocrisy of the Christian church. She just could not stand the church, church people, or anything having to do with it. She lived on the wild side of life for some years, well into her 20s. And as she tells the story, she was traveling in Europe. And she visited a monastery one day. I expect she went to see the artwork. And while she was there, she met one of the Roman Catholic monks, and she struck up a conversation with him, and in her most sarcastic tone, she said, So, if I come to Holy Communion, will you serve me? Knowing that Catholics don't serve Protestants. And he said, If you ask, you will not be refused. If you ask, you will not be refused. And it became an incredible Holy Spirit moment. As she says, the scales fell from her eyes. Her world turned upside down. She remembered again all that she knew about the love of God and the welcome of Jesus Christ. And the prodigal daughter came home. Catherine Henderson today is the president of a seminary in New York City, Auburn Seminary. She She's a professor. She helps people who go into the Presbyterian ministry. She's also the daughter of my Old Testament professor. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 gives us the earliest mention of the Lord's Supper in the New Testament. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Now, in the following instructions, I do not commend you because you come together. It is not for the better, but for the worse. For to begin with, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you. To some extent, I believe it. Indeed, there have to be factions among you, for only so will it become clear who among you are genuine. When you come together, it is not really to eat the Lord's Supper For when the time comes to eat, each of you goes ahead with your own supper, and one goes hungry and another becomes drunk. What? Do you not have homes to eat and drink in, or do you show contempt for the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say? Should I commend you in this matter? I do not commend you. And now these words... For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed 
took a loaf of bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and blood of the Lord. Examine yourselves, and only then eat the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body, the fellowship, the unity, eat and drink judgment against themselves. This is the word of the Lord. The last few Sundays I've been teaching in the January term, and I have been talking about the early Christians and the things that enabled those first believers to go into the Roman Empire and tell the story of God's love in Jesus Christ. And one of the most startling and compelling parts of this new religious group was their welcome for all people. They were decidedly different from the usual caste system of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was very clear about where all the lines were. The rich and powerful were at the top, and then the merchants, and then the landowners, and then the farmers, and then the sharecroppers, and then the poor, and then the slaves. And everybody had their place, and everybody had to stay in their place. But this Christian community was utterly different from that, for they called each other sister and brother in a new family. Paul writes in Galatians about this radical new movement. There is no longer Jew or Greek, no longer slave or free, male or female. All of you are one in Jesus Christ. This strange equality was especially evident at their Sunday evening meal which they called the Lord's Supper. For in this caste system, the Romans were incredibly clear about who you could eat with and who you should not eat with and who you would never, ever eat with. And yet these Christians came together on Sunday evening and all of them ate together. Except maybe in the church of Corinth where Paul has a problem And he talks about it there in chapter 11. He is scolding them because some of the people are being treated as inferior, second class, left out at the Lord's Supper. Now, there's no church building. There's no sacred table as we use. There are private homes. And the Sunday evening gathering is held in somebody's home. And the homeowner provided some of the food, and then everybody brought some to share, and apparently what was going on was that the important people got there first, and they got the seats in the dining room around the table, 10, 12 seats. Everybody else who came later stood in the hallway called the atrium, and these people went ahead and started their meal, and then if there was some left, it got passed out, and if those who got off work late came in very last, there's nothing left. And Paul is, as you heard in our lesson, quite angry about this. 
he says, You're not eating the Lord's Supper if some go first and get full and others go last and have nothing. You're missing the whole point if you receive the bread and the cup of Jesus in this manner. You're missing the point that we are connected. You're missing the point that we are family by the grace-filled invitation of God through Christ. You are missing the point. Now there is this one sentence that shows up right at the end of that passage. Paul says, All who eat and drink without discerning the body eat and drink judgment against themselves. Now here's one of the sad ironies. The whole passage is about, we got to do this together, we're all in this together. And the sad irony is that the history of the church has been to take that sentence and decide that, you know, we really ought to be more careful about who we let come to this table. And you're okay, and you're okay. I'm not so sure about you and, and this side of the room. we got to do some real checking about you all. And so there were congregations that only if we baptized you would you be allowed to come to the table. It's called fencing the table. Colonial era Presbyterians observed the Lord's Supper quarterly and the minister came to your house and interviewed you on your spiritual condition and if you passed his test, and it was a he, you got a wooden token, a communion token. And on communion Sunday, you came forward and you presented your token, I have passed the test, I can take communion. No token, no communion. In the late 1800s, early 1900s in South Africa, the Dutch Reformed Church, some of the folk decided that they really did not want to share the cup with the African members. The white Dutch reformers didn't want to have the Africans at the same table. And so they segregated the table. There was a white table and there was a black table. And before long, they segregated the church. There was a white Dutch Reformed church. There was a black associate Dutch Reformed church. Apartheid began at the communion table in South Africa. Missing the whole point of the story that Christ is the one who draws us together, not keeps us apart. The truly startling thing to remember, at least for me, is to remember the very first Lord's Supper in that upper room in Jerusalem. As Paul says, on the night he was betrayed, who betrayed him? That fellow down there at the end of the table. On the night that he was denied three times, who denied him? That fellow sitting right over there. On the night that he was deserted by all the disciples, all those other people around the table, that night he takes the bread and says, this is for you. And he takes the cup and he says, this is for you, knowing full well all the ways they will fail him. It is the most startling moment of grace, I think, in the whole New Testament that the beginning of our sacrament is on that night in that upper room. And it tells us the utter and undeserved grace of God is offered to us. So it is by God's grace that we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism. 
one table, one loaf, one cup to share with each other. There's no children's table set over in the corner. There is no women's table set up in the kitchen. There's no separate table for single people or for divorced and remarried. There is no separate table for gay or transgender. No separate table for liberal or conservative. No separate table for the 99% or the 1%. In the mystery of God's love, by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are all in this together. We are held together by something far greater than the things we agree on or the roles we have in the community. If you ask, you will not be refused. God is mercy within mercy within mercy. So let us together this day come to the Lord's table. Thanks be to God.